Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hi guys, it's Elizabeth Stevenson and I'm here with my favorite partner. Yes, Sarah Hink. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we have a very special guest. Oh, we do. One of the most renowned folks that we know that is the expert in forensics and digitals and helping us find ways to find things that we didn't know existed. <laughs> so welcome Derek Ellington. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. You didn't use the king of the selfies well, uh, when you gave me the answer. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm glad to be with you guys. Always great to talk to you guys. And I'm, I'm glad to hear there's a little bleepy too. So I don't have to worry about getting in trouble no, if, no, uh, no. If, if I go off the ranch a little Absolutely bit. Absolutely no, not. Glad to talk to you about computers and phones and how that relates to, to family law stuff, especially because so much of our life is tied up in our phones and our computers and our digital footprint. And I know I used to say at one point, your computer and your phone, it's like your diary. And somebody in the class corrected me and they go, oh, no, we lie to our diary. (laughs) So maybe your phone is a little bit better than a diary. That's right. That's right. So uh, I want to just ask, this is a a weird question, but before cell phones and before all the digital technology, how has it changed your world? you're you know, assuming it, he's a hundred years old. I'm not here. saying you're hundred years old. <laughs> it, no, that, that that is an absolutely perfect question that I might have a pretty good answer for. Oh, good. One of the things that that I see with technology, especially having been involved from in the IT standpoint for 30 years, and watching how it evolved and people's engagement with it evolved, especially even like you know when people first started getting internet at home. Mm-hmm. Okay, when everybody started getting internet at home. And, and having computers and stuff like in the mid to late 90s, one of the things that happened is there was this perception that if I was doing it at home in my basement on my computer, no matter what, it was okay. If I could do it at home, and that's where we'll say, we'll be generous and say the downloading movies, the downloading music, right. you know, which is right. stealing. Yeah, but right. if I can do it at home on my computer, it's right. okay. The offshoot of that was how people approached relationships and infidelity and pushing boundaries. And one of the things that the technology and the privacy that the technology afforded you did was it allowed, shall we say, the courtship Uh or even illicit courtship to accelerate. Let's take, for example, you got two people who know each other from work or that they work in the same place. If they wanted some flirting to go on, maybe it was around the water cooler or whatever, but there were people around. And there were people around who would sometimes quash that behavior. But if the communications could take place privately, the seduction, the the courtship could ramp its way up to where we had cases where there would be two people who never connected socially, were never in the same place at the same time ever until they went to that hotel room. Because they were able to do what Mm -hmm. used to be the courtship process privately and secretly away from the prying eyes. And the follow-up to that is I thought, if this was the 1800 South and one plantation owner sent a racy letter to the wife of another plantation owner, they would be pulling out the pistols and having a duel because that would be completely inappropriate. But yet in an office setting for one office worker to send a dirty joke via email 
to the other office worker to see where they stand on stuff. And then they laugh and reply yeah. out and then it ramps from there. So basically what technology I think does is it gives you a way to not only do those things that society would have been able to see before and, and quash, mm-hmm. but it accelerates the process. It, it ridiculously accelerates the process. One other quick thing that uh, technology has given us is something that they call retrosex. Which the rise of Facebook and all of those things have allowed people to reconnect with oh, the high school sweetheart, or maybe even the missed connections, the two ships that passed at the night. I didn't know that was what it was called. I'm so it, glad to know there that. There's actually a term called retrosex, and that is when you connect with somebody you haven't seen or talked to in 10 or 20 years that maybe you went to high school with or something. And then next thing you know, you're hooking up with them. That can be our next ad, Elizabeth. Is. is your husband retro-sexing? Retro Call us. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting because when we were talking um, to Jamie, part of what um, Sarah and I say is people will do it in the, I've had people do it in the YMC parking lot when they're picking up their kids. And what I realized when you were talking is that because they're so ramped up and it's so accelerated, they're not. They're not thinking with their heads. You they live know? in this like delusional world, world of their like texting and their writings and someone's a Shakespeare and it's uh, the yeah. most amazing love that ever existed. <laughs> uh, we, and that's, I, I'm glad you used that term because around our office, we have a phrase and it's called love will find a way. Um, <laughs> never, never underestimate people's creativity and ambition when it comes to those kind of things. And, and the way they will find a way to get things done, I assure you. Right. And, and I like to say in my career of going through thousands of phones and computers and reading text messages, and unfortunately, the selfies that go back and forth, right, right. I like to say I've seen it all. But every time I say that, the universe goes up. I've got one for you. Uh, and, yeah. And, and I hear you about that. So what is it people think? Oh, I deleted it. Nobody. So give us a basic one-on-one of... One-on-one? One, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> Give us your one-on-one one. <laughs> pictures. <laughs> exactly. Can't get your mind out of the gutter um, here. One-on-one. Oh, one. is not one-on-one, but I'm imagining that's for a different podcast. That's enough for podcasts. Um, so first of all, we'll talk about data. And, and while I make a career off the belief that when you delete things, they're still there and you can recover them. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, it's not true. You can make things go away forever very easily. Okay. What we like to say is that everything leaves a trace. And Mm -hmm. in essence, everything is out there somewhere. The key is whether we can find it, whether we can get to it. So a lot of the challenge is looking at a particular case and saying, hey, what are all of the potential sources of evidence in this case? And then trying to find them. And sometimes we say that we can't find the thing itself, Mm -hmm. but we can find its footprint or its shadows. Right. Now, when we're talking more specifically about text messages, because that's the big deal. Can you get recovered to leave a text message? Exactly. In a lot of situations, you can. The problem is that if we're looking at a phone, say an Android phone or an iPhone, we usually don't know what we can get until we try. Mm -hmm. But I guess making it a little bit more specific. So let's say that there is somebody, they think their spouse is engaging in some type of uh, infidelity. And a lot of times it's not just infidelity. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting inside their head. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the only way to really know what's going on with people is to take a look at the big picture. Mm -hmm. And and, and a lot of times we have spouses who, hey, their behavior has changed. I think that 
it's infidelity because that's the first place people right, go to. Right. But it could be undisclosed medical issues. It could be financial issues. It could mm-hmm. be a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. As you guys well know, you see it all the time. And so infidelity is usually where we start. And a lot of times, even when we start with infidelity, the question of did they or didn't they usually becomes not as relevant quickly. And then it's stuff about where's the fi- what's the financial footprint? Are there mm-hmm, character right. issues that affect custody? Things like that. But going back to the question of, so they, they have a suspicion and maybe they think they're doing everything on their phone or stuff like that. It's not as easy as it used to be. We had a lot more ability to get into devices and stuff like that. The security has definitely improved. Stuff mm-hmm. is definitely safer. So the good rule of thumb is if it's a phone, we pretty much have to have the passcode for it. Now, once mm-hmm. we have the passcode, we have a lot of options for pulling up data. And again, if somebody's engaging in some kind of misconduct, let's say they are successfully deleting their messages. Uh-huh. What ends up happening, and I don't want to be like giving hints to the back. No, please don't. But, um, but, <laughs> they but need what them. ends up happening a lot of times is, let's say you're a guy, and trust me, guys do not have a monopoly on misconduct. Absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. I, I can assure you of that. <laughs> And this might be a good time to interject the old the thing Chris Rock said one time is that guys lie frequently and poorly <laughs> and women lie rarely and well. Yeah, um, I believe it. I believe that. That's a whole different thing. But but the idea is so you've got somebody who's been engaging in misconduct and maybe they're texting the the paramour, which is the, the, the word lawyers love. They love paramour. <laughs> and so they remember to delete those text messages, but then they forget the voicemail or the web search for the hotel, right, or they forget right. um, their buddies that they were talking you, they, to. They don't delete the text message with their friend when they said, hey, by the way, if anybody asks, I'm with you this evening. Right. Things like that. Again, a lot of times it's about looking at the big picture. So the idea is to try to collect as much data as you can, not you know being reasonable about it. You don't right. want to overwhelm yourself and you have to think in ter- you know economic terms and you don't want to overcollect As much data points as you can have to kind of paint a picture of the person's behavior. Again, talking about texting apps, it, it can be a problem. A lot of people use different yeah. apps, you know, Kick Messenger, WhatsApp, right. uh, Pinger, Grinder, Zapper, Grindr. everything, whatever. There's thousands of them that come up every day. Yeah. Can you find those, those at all? <laughs> can you get well, those messages? Those can be hard to, uh, to um, extract data from. And I actually had right. a case recently where a guy would leave this house in the morning and he had four different messaging apps that he would install after he left the house to go to work. Turns out he had a not only an infidelity thing, but he was doing a drug thing. He got into a wreck, a really bad wreck on the way to work. Ooh. And he actually, because we were able to, to reconstruct from his phone, actually uninstalled, like minutes after the wreck, he's uninstalling all these apps from his phone before <laughs> that is dedication, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> so but, let me ask you that a lot of times we'll send out a discovery request and say, make it, we want to make a mirror image of their phone or their hard drive or, or that. Is that, what boundaries do you have within that? If you don't have the passwords or you don't know anything, can you still do that? Well, and let's be clear, we're talking about two different situations. Right. Um, we're talking about the the stealthy beforehand stuff, and then we're talking about what happens and the powers that you right, guys have. Right, right, right. And we always want to try for the client to collect as much information as we can right. ahead of time, because we know some stuff's going to go forever. And also, 
I've talked to a lot of clients who it may be that their situation, the infidelity doesn't matter. Maybe they're the dependent spouse and they're going to get alimony one way or another, mm -hmm. but they just need to know. And I've right. had many people say, look, I know that for my legal case, it doesn't really matter one way or another, but if I'm going to go down this road, I want to know, I want to know the truth. Right. Sometimes that can be the catalyst to get them in to see you guys, or they come to see you, you send them to me, right. we do what we can and send them back to you. And that's where, hey, do you, do you know the passcode for the phone? Is mm -hmm. there a computer that they use all the time that they leave when they go to work? But then the second phase is once you guys get involved. And once you guys get involved and start making your requests, and part of my job is to help phrase the request, help mm -hmm. to use the mm -hmm. right language, help to know what to ask for. But in that particular case, if they have an obligation to turn it on, turn it over, in civil litigation, we have a wide latitude for evidence. We can get a lot of evidence. Then they're required to give us the credentials that we need to get into it. Now, the obvious question is, what if they delete things? Right. Well, in a lot of cases, it's a give them enough rope and let them hang themselves. Mm -hmm. Attorneys are great for asking people for stuff, and they know it's so painful that the person is, you know, <laughs> the, the, the phone may very well end up in the lake. But if that happens, <laughs> then great, you're guilty. Then we're allowed to, to, to ask the judge to just say you're guilty, right. which is an interesting point. And kind of a misconception as well that, that let me throw in real quick. And that is when you're talking about a criminal case, everybody usually thinks in terms of evidence from what they've heard in criminal cases. And the gist of it is if you want to use evidence in a criminal case, you pretty much have to fight really hard to get the evidence in. And then the thing about a person has to be guilty beyond you know reasonable mm -hmm. doubt, or we'll just say 99% guilty. Well, in a civil case, if we're trying to prove infidelity or something like that, pretty much anything goes. We have a wide latitude of evidence right. unless the other side is successful in not letting us have it. They have to make an argument as to why we can't have it. But, right. but the impression is that we get everything. And you pretty much have to be 51% guilty. If 51% of the, the judge's brain or 51% of the <laughs> jury thinks you're guilty, which comes around to me when I'm talking about infidelity. And we have the clients who are like, I want to know what's going on. I, I need to know this. I need to know this. I need to know this. And I'm like, look, you know, th this is like CSI, but I don't have to find a body. All I have yeah. to find is a drop of blood. <laughs> right. I don't need to know every time the person, every time and every person that they engage in infidelity with. I just need one and we win. Right. You but know, they may, need, to, they may need to know that for their own. <laughs> yeah, they need to know. Mind. Like yeah. maybe their threshold is 10 partners. <laughs> so I think know. he's just been with eight. So it's okay. But see, so I I've been there. We had a case where the, the wife was... A good friend of ours who's also a PI, and he did surveillance, and he came up with about 10 names. I got the electronics. I came up with about 10 names, and there was only a small bit of overlap. Mm -hmm. And when I went to go break this to the client, I didn't want to really upset him. So the attorney and I, we had the conversation, and she's like, just give him enough information to where he realizes there's a problem. And I, I won't bore you with the details, except that it was really painful for me because I was kind of trying to warm him up into it, but he still was in denial and still mm -hmm. jumping. Maybe it's me and maybe I wasn't being as husbandly enough or whatever, or maybe it was midlife crisis. And I just had to keep like punching the guy in the gut. Oh, you know, one more. Here's oh, another. And that person oh. at this time and that time. So I, I don't really like to be in that situation. But again, it comes back down to if somebody's engaging in a lot of misconduct, even if it's not infidelity, if it's a gambling habit, if it's a porn mm -hmm, habit, right, it's things right. like that. And porn Even habits are big. Yeah. 
even if they've tried to cover their tracks, there's going to be some information. It's just, it's not that clean. clean. And if you do find a person that's that clean, those are the ones we really worry about. Those are the vanilla people. (laughs) Right. Those are the ones where you're like, they're trying really hard Mm -hmm. to look normal. Right. They probably have a burner phone. Determining who gets what property can be one of the most complicated and confusing issues of your divorce. It is so important that you are represented by an experienced family law attorney who knows marital property law and will advocate for your best interest. New Direction Family Law has over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients and their assets. We aggressively advocate, support, and educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. Schedule an initial consultation today. So that's the adultery side. So a lot of what we use you guys for is do that forensic sort of financial stuff that tracing it out and that sort of thing. Yeah, like there wasn't a transfer. transfer. I don't have that account. I don't know what you're talking about. about. I don't know why 100,000 goes in Mm -hmm. and then... uh, 80 goes out the next week. Doesn't make any sense to me. So well, what do people that, need that's to be? Funny, and that's a great segue because that's that ultimately can be what's more important, even though, like we said, the infidelity is where right. we start. And for example, you guys have the power to subpoena bank records mm-hmm. and account records, but only if you know where the accounts are. That's right. We, 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 right. we got to know that there's an account at this bank or that bank. So a couple of tricks, apart from just looking at the electronic footprint, one of the, the tricks that we use, and I also teach this with, with my law enforcement people that I work with, if you have an iPhone or you have an Android phone, you get your apps through the Play Store or the iTunes Store. So what we will do is we will subpoena the records for those stores, even before we even have the phone, to see what apps they're installing. Mm-hmm. And that will tell us, is there you know an Ameritrade app or is there, right. there's all these other apps where people can have online accounts and money and stuff like that. But when we talk about love, we'll find a way. <laughs> we had a case, we had a case where we knew that, let me say it delicately, that he was in the company of paid professional women. Okay. Mm-hmm. We is there just an app for that? figure out how he was getting the money to him. We, we, yeah, we had a pretty good idea of his financial records. But couldn't find, connect the dots, right? Until we took a really close look at his Amazon habit. Mm-hmm. What You can find them on Amazon. Come to find out that what was going down was the women that he was associating with all had Amazon wish lists. Oh, yeah. And he was compensating them by simply going through, and hey, next day delivery, sometimes same day delivery. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, my God. And select an appropriate amount of items from the Amazon wish lists. And, and I guess for the ladies, they could either keep the items or even return them. Return them. Oh, gosh. But if you just looked at the financial records, He's got a really bad Amazon habit, and it's guilty as charged, <laughs> especially after after the COVID quarantines. We all have really bad Amazon habits. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But that that's was true. one of the, those things where, you know, channeling the funds in non-traditional ways that we have to look for and how people can have um, money tied up in third-party apps. Maybe it's a stock trading right, app. Right, right. Um, a lot of the girls on Instagram Bitcoin that try wallets. to go out there will use, like, their Venmo. Like, here's my Venmo account. Right. Just send me money. money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we talk about And when I'm, I'm training investigators. And we talk about, especially when they're looking for fraud. And in the old days, you'd get the phone records and you'd get the bank records. And then you try to figure out what the person was doing, who they were talking to. If that's all you're doing, you're missing a huge part of the picture because 
money flows in and out in so many different ways. In fact, one of the biggest things that it just cracks me up, but it's these uh, alternate worlds like Second Life, Life. things like that, where you have these online worlds that people are literally like a second life. They can go into this world and they have a house and a business and a, a somewhat fake or real spouse in this other world. And they can take real world currency and move it into this second life world where you can buy an island or a house and you can sell them to other people. Uh, there's one that's space-based where you buy spaceships and stuff. You can even buy a Death Star. And like, I want a know, guy to buy me a spaceship. A Death Star, right? I mean, yeah. you a couple of things before you moved in. But the <laughs> idea is you'll see people, you'll, you'll see that there's a trail of embezzlement or concern about embezzlement. And when you're looking at fraud or you're trying to figure out where the spouse is putting the money, right. one of the they teach you is you're looking for somebody who's living above their their means. So you see money missing. You don't know where it goes. And it's crazy. Some of the places it can go that you would only find out if you could look at the digital footprint. People are investing a lot of money and losing a lot of money in the online gambling. There's a lot of people out there that think they're really good at poker. (laughs) Um, I do after a few drinks. A lot of money every month on poker. Right. Um, which doesn't mean you're very good at poker, but things like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, and, and, and there are still people out there that spend a lot of money on pornography, even though paying for pornography seems a very outdated concept with right. Google. Um, it happens. But, I have uh, a lot of cases with pornography addiction. Yeah. It happens. I usually have at least one happening at all times. Well, at all times. I, I also had an affair that went from North Carolina to Washington State via the Halo. They met via the, the gaming app, or not app, the old school Halo shooting, one person shooting yep. game. Absolutely. And they had messages on there. And these two, like I threatened to sue him because I felt like he was initiating contact in North Carolina. Yeah. Whatever. We don't need to go into the legal aspects of that part, but when they broke up and my Halo girl, she wasn't my Halo girl, she was posing party <laughs> over here, did end up marrying the Halo guy in Washington well, State. More power to her. So, so, I guess so here's a crazy. segue too, and this is something that I talk about. I talk a lot about how our engagement with technology and how it, it's changing stuff, and, and I call it you know, investigating the millennial mind. One of the things that we, we look at a lot is these video game communities. Mm-hmm. And something that people don't appreciate if you're not around it or not really aware of it enough is that the communities and the friendship that your children, your spouses mm-hmm. create in these video game communities, playing these online games are just as real and just as strong mm-hmm. as their church group, the sports team at the Y, things like that. Those people they've never met before, but play games with. They can develop just as strong a connection with those people as what we would see as real life connections. And here's the problem. The problem is that once those connections are developed, they're very much a source of influence. Uh, A lot Mm -hmm. of groups, everything from ISIS to QAnon to the white supremacist group to even our own government who uses army video games to recruit people for the army. And what happens is you can meet through these games. And then they can use them as a method of indoctrination. And I guess mm-hmm. the, the side note to that is I'll talk a lot of times, I'll talk to parents who, who they might think that their kid is too young for a cell phone. Oh, my kid's seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, whatever you think. They're too young for a cell phone. That's not safe. Meanwhile, they have an Xbox right. with a headset mm-hmm. and a camera connected to the internet 
playing games all day with people they don't they even don't know. know. And so and many more. Is, yeah. If you wouldn't let a random 50-year-old dude come and sit on your couch and play <laughs> video games with your kid, <laughs> then you need to know who your kid's playing games with online, not just kids. We can still see the same type of escape and distancing themselves from the marriage through video games. And so the alienation sometimes isn't always that- about isn't isn't always about an actual physical affair. Right. To paraphrase one a wonderful lady client I had, we were we were trying to figure out what the husband was doing. And I said, do you think he's having an affair? And she was like, Lord, no. To have an affair, he'd actually have to get off his butt and do something. <laughs> he never leaves the house. But but what does he do when he's here? And it was video games from first thing in the morning till late at night right, and, right. and the influence of those people and the well, expense. I, yeah, it happens had, a lot. It's I amazing. Have, and I've had a couple, this made me think, I've had a couple of clients who are, who I helped through their first divorce are now coming back to me for their second and their two or three month marriages because these are people they just met. They met online. And it's like you said, they developed that relationship and they thought they knew who the person was until they really found out who the person was. Or they just, that's scary. They just so deep into it. They like this girl that ended up marrying the guy across the country. He turned out to be a sex offender Registered sex offender too. That case was crazy. It just goes to show you that there's those bonds do develop via video games. You might not even know that's happening underneath your own skin. There's this whole world out there that if you're not into it, you don't think it's as real as it actually is. So I'm guessing if I were to say I have a PlayStation to bring to you, Derek, can you do something with that PlayStation? That's a good question. (laughs) Not a PlayStation because the way the data is encrypted. Xboxes, you can get more information off of them because they're basically Windows computers. computers. Without getting too nerdy, it really comes down to if we have the credentials because all those things have associated online accounts where you can Mm -hmm. go in and see what somebody's doing, how much time they spend playing games. But to to go back to the point you were talking about short relationships, Uh one of my favorite cartoons that somebody gave me a while back was a dog sitting at a keyboard and there was another dog looking over his shoulder. And the first dog said, the great thing about the internet is nobody knows your dog. And <laughs> the great thing about the internet is that when you're talking about a digital relationship, it is a lot easier to be whomever sure. you want to be or the other person think you are. Mm-hmm. Once you're in person together with that person, all that kind of falls away and, and right. that's a problem. Right. And this is a good time to also tell the listeners to, to to be very careful out there because there are a lot of people who are bad actors who just want money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Posing as legitimate people. Even the big thing now is to pose as like mid-level country music singers mm-hmm. and try to ensnare <laughs> uh, no idea. Uh, middle-aged, middle-aged Southern women. And you have to watch out for them. (laughs) Other semi-celebrity who you're talking to, and they can send you just enough information and they've done their homework. So they know about the other person who they're pretending to be. But for some reason, they need a cell phone. They need you to send them an iPhone or they need you to send them (laughs) money dot card or Western Union is so yesterday because you actually have to go down to Western Union. (laughs) Now, you know, if somebody wants to pay a bill using like a prepaid Walmart card or something like that, there's usually a problem. But the key is, is... you just have to understand that, that there's a lot of relationships that have started with the online dating and worked out. We have to understand there is a lot of predators out there and there are a lot of predators who are really good at their job. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe a weird question, but I've had a, not a ton of clients, but a, a fair amount of clients who are, who have some, let's say mental health issues and there's some paranoia going on that think that 
the spouses in their email or doing nefarious, yeah, doing yeah. nefarious things. What is it that you can do to help us to show is that happening or is it not? Well, the, the problem is when we talk to those people and, and we talk to those people a lot, right? is that there's only so much we can do for you if you're still living in the house with them. There's limitations, meaning if somebody is hiding cameras in your house and you live with them, it doesn't really do me any good to help you find those cameras because they can put more put them there. <laughs> or they will know that we're looking. But I guess more specifically, the nature of a relationship is that you usually have a lot of overlap and intermingling of your digital footprint and you're easy because you could just separate your record albums. Now the battle is who gets the Netflix account, right? right. And what I'm trying to say is that a lot of what people think is possible isn't possible. And when somebody's, when we're, when we're in a toxic relationship and, and, and we're stuck with somebody who is for a variety of reasons, even if it's not infidelity related, they're just not a good person. And, and they've oppressed us. There's ways they violated us. And the problem is we give them way more power sometimes than they mm -hmm. actually have. So it's really easy to think that that they're in everywhere. They're having somebody follow me all the time. PIs can be expensive. They're probably not having following people following right. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're not. If you're using an iPhone and an Android phone and you've bought it within the last four or five years and you keep it updated and you have a lock code on it, nobody's bugging your phone. There's The software doesn't work that way, especially with iPhones. iPhones make sure that all the, the software comes to the iTunes store. They don't allow that. Now there's parental control I applications mm -hmm. and their stuff to keep an eye on your kid applications, but there's no secret hidden stuff. I mean, there's some people that think like what Bill Gates is tracking us. Can you well, make sure that's that? <laughs> um, well, that's the problem. People will come to me and they say, I think I'm being spied on. And I have yeah. to say, you are. The cell phone companies are spying on you. <laughs> that's true. On you. TikTok, which I did a recently did a thing on, is spying on you. Um, oh, yeah. The government, the government. The NSA is yeah. spying on yeah. you. However, your spouse is not spying on you. Right. <laughs> it's hard to prove a double negative, so that's what makes it Especially difficult. Especially they're just naturally a little which, paranoid anyway. Which but. Is a, well, yeah, to, 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 to make sure that, that we leave people with something on that note, when you install apps on your phone, make sure you look at the permissions that you're giving the apps. Make sure that you're you're taking mm, into account. If it's, a, if it's a game of solitaire, but it wants to read your contacts and read your text messages <laughs> and look at your pictures, you know, there's going to be an issue. <laughs> you probably there. shouldn't but do that. While we're on the subject, if you're going to use an iPhone, if you're going to use an Android phone, you have to understand that there is a certain amount of collecting of your personal information mm -hmm. that comes with the territory. How do you think the, the, the traffic apps know when the road ahead of you is congested? Because <laughs> right, they're watching right. every phone. When all the phones on the road are going 35 and a 65, <laughs> they know there's a problem. So, so we're just so, doomed. Yeah, how do they know I just walked into a store and bought some shoes and then a or my, my, my friends and I were just talking <laughs> about called, shoes, and there they are. Geofencing and stores pay for that. I and know. What is Apple, and, Apple and Google are watching your phone. When your phone crosses into that location threshold, uh -huh. they know. they can, and, and, and the companies pay a lot of money for that. This One interesting good. thing about location data, I have a lot of people who say, I keep my GPS cut off so they're not tracking me. No, they actually are. What you need to understand is when you give an app, permission to see your location. Even if your location is turned off, that app can mm -hmm. turn on your location in the background, see where you are, and then turn the location off when they're done. 
the cell phone operating systems by default, they can see your location all the time, anytime, unless you've got your phone in airplane mode. And also for the people out there that are that are concerned about privacy and everybody should be. Should be. There's a, there's a presentation that I just did for Dragon Con on TikTok. And basically we talk about why TikTok was a big deal and, and stuff like that. So if you search for uh, YouTube, TikTok, Derek Ellington, you, you should probably be able to find it. But it ha- privacy, and, and I'll give you the punchline, and that is, is that privacy is a big deal. People talk about privacy and they worry about their privacy and stuff like that. But the connection that people don't make as a whole is when you think about privacy, you're probably thinking about, I don't want somebody reading my text messages, looking at my selfies. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when privacy gets compromised, when you have a systemic abuse of privacy in our country, in China or whatever, where people don't really feel overall safe, it has other consequences. Creativity, economic development, innovation. If people are worried about being able to think about things and try things and develop products and think about businesses and stuff, and if they don't think they can do that privately, they don't do it. And that's one yeah. of the problems that China sees is that they always go through this cycle of being oppressive right. and then not oppressive, and it's because of privacy. And right. again, that sense comes back around to the family law stuff. And I know that was the question. And it's because we get so used to everybody else invading our privacy that we think right. our spouses are into all of our stuff. And and just the thought of it has consequences. So whether they're spying on you or not, if you're walking around thinking you're being followed all the time, that's a problem. You don't you problem. Know, we don't need our clients out here driving around and they think they're in a movie because they think that there are cars following them because mm-hmm. then they don't act safely. So we need to also address that with them as well as what's possible and what's not possible. Possible. And also be careful with what you put on paper. <laughs> you mentioned journals and diaries at the beginning of this. <laughs> That's old school, but there's a lot of good. I had someone there. read a diary Cars. right out in court and I looked at my client like, what in the <laughs> world did you write down, girl? <laughs> and like you said, you put, a lot of people put lies and it's just like these random thoughts and these like feelings that aren't actually intended to to act on. Careful what you careful put out there that. on the internet, but also careful what you put in your diary at home and maybe burn that before you get separated. I agree. People <laughs> not watching 60 Minutes anymore because back in the day, it was always, they always had the memo. They always yeah. had the right. that That's memo right. that was like That's the smoking right. gun memo. That's right. That's so, right. Uh, so definitely be careful what you're putting in writing. Or as I tell people, I'm part of your legal team. So you right. can be candid right. with me. But if there's a body buried in the backyard, I don't really want to know. No. Yeah, don't don't this, tell me that. Well, we kind of need to know. I that. need to just go buy some mountain property, like 100 <laughs> acres, some solar pa- panels, and just re- live remote, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then I, I can have as so. many bodies as I want. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Derek, Derek thank, thank you, you so, so much for being here. And of course, you don't just do any investigations related just to family law. You do a, a wide range of di- digital forensics, criminal and financial all over the place. And you're an expert testifier as well. So if anyone needs to reach out to you, we'll let them know how to do that. And thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. So always enjoy working with you guys and I'm excited to be a part of your podcast. And I'm uh, sure we you. will talk soon. So everybody thank take you. care. Thanks. All right. And of course, as always, ain't that, that some shit? <laughs> Thanks for listening. This episode is complete. Visit NewDirectionFamilyLaw.com for show notes and resources and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more resources and information. And remember, with change comes empowerment.